Hey, what's up, everybody? Isaac here, Civil Engineering Academy. I'm excited today. I bring on Ed Questenberry. He is a structural engineer, and he runs his own company called Equilibrium. You got to check it out. And uh, we talk all things structural engineering. If you're diving into structural engineering, maybe some things that you wish he would have known when he started out. And really also how to start a business and some of the challenges he personally had in starting a business. And if you are willing to start a business, what challenges you may have as well. So I thought it was a fascinating episode. We interviewed Ed. Ed knows Dirk Bondi, who is in another episode. So they're good friends as well. So it was just kind of a fun conversation all around. So I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. If you haven't liked this or subscribed to our podcast, please do so. Leave a comment and uh, share it with a friend because sharing is caring. And if you need help on your journey to become a professional engineer, definitely give us a check out at civilengineeringacademy.com where we help engineers pass their FE or their PE in this fun journey of becoming a professional engineer. So it's good stuff. I hope you really do enjoy this. Give Ed a thank you if you find him on LinkedIn or whatnot. And uh, it's all coming up right after this. Hey, have you struggled to find time to actually read a book? I know I have. Life is busy, four kids, all of that jazz. It makes it really hard to actually sit down and read a book. So you know what I turned to? I turned to Audible. And we have an affiliate with them. If you go to civilengineeringacademy.com slash audible, that's A-U-D-I-B-L-E, you can jump on and find your favorite titles to go anywhere with you. Use that link. You'll get 30 days for free. You'll also get a couple of credits. And if you're already a Prime member, you'll get two credits, which which is good for some premium selection titles that you can actually keep. But go check them out. I really have enjoyed Atomic Habits by James Clear, which gives you an easy and proven way to build good habits and break bad ones. They've got fun ones like Dune that are on there and tons of others. So if you're in the hunt to find time in your day to listen to books, definitely give them a shot. Go to civilengineeringacademy.com slash audible. That's A-U-D-I-B-L-E. And go get a free 30-day trial of Audible. Go check them out. Hey guys, if you haven't already, I want to let you know about our awesome newsletter. If you haven't signed up for the Civil Engineering Academy newsletter, seriously, what's wrong with you? I'm just kidding. Go check it out though. You'll get all the latest episodes that we produce, blog articles, exams, discounts, course material. All this fun stuff is through our newsletter. So if you haven't signed up, go check it out. That's civilengineeringacademy.com slash newsletter. You'll be taken. Go sign up. And uh, you'll start getting our fun newsletters that we send out usually once a week. So go check it out, civilengineeringacademy.com slash newsletter and go sign up. All right, Ed, thank you for jumping on to the Civil Engineering Academy podcast. I'm excited that you've joined us today. Yeah, me too. Glad to be here. Yeah, this is good stuff. We love spreading the word. So, Ed, I guess as we start this journey, why don't you give us a little background as to how you found yourself into the world of civil engineering and into structural engineering? How did we end up there? I attribute it mainly to my drafting teacher in high school. I'm pretty old. So back when I was in high school, they offered hand drafting and I took four years of it as an elective. And I really liked it. It was great been there with my buddies and we rode through the program and the teacher, same teacher, all four years. And he took us through kind of basic mechanical drafting to three-dimensional drafting to kind of really the beginnings of architectural design. Like my senior year, we got to design a house and draw it up, draw up the plans and such. 
that was fun. our pride. Yeah. And uh, so he was really great that way. And um, in my senior year, he came to me and was just like, hey, you know, what are you thinking for, for college? What are you going to do? And I was like, I don't really know. And I really decided. And he, and he handed me the course catalog book back in the day when there used to be course catalogs published mm-hmm. by universities. He gave me the one for Cal Poly in San Luis Obispo, California, and said, and he had a little earmark on one of the pages, and it was the architectural engineering program. I read the description, and I was just like, wow, that seems like something That's it. Yeah, that I, I would be good at. It's a combination of architecture and design and engineering, and I was kind of good at those things, and it's kind of what spoke to me. So I applied. I got in. Amazingly enough, and, um, and that was at Cal Poly. Cal Poly, yeah, in the RE program, architectural engineering, and which is the way that program is structured is yeah, the first two years you're in classes with architecture students. You're doing all the introduction to architectural design, so you have three or four courses of different levels of architectural design and architecture history, that type of thing, graphics, rendering, all that, and then. Right. After that two years is done, you, you could move into pretty much exclusively structural focused curriculum. So statics, strength of materials, all the building material designs, that kind of thing. So Thanks. it was really a super building focus, building design focused program and focused primarily on structural engineering. So I didn't go the traditional route through a civil engineering undergrad. My undergrad degree is in architectural engineering. Really? That's interesting. So were you classmates with Dirk Bondi then? Because he's been on the show once. Yeah, I was. I had many classes with Dirk. That's hilarious. Many study sessions with Dirk. I got lots of stories. Lots of Dirk on Dirk. Telling, telling, <laughs> telling Dirk stories if you want me to. But no, no, no. No. <laughs> no, he's a really good guy. And actually what's really cool about that, and I'm sure others feel this way about their college experience, but that Archie program, I'm still in touch with many of my classmates that have spread around the states practicing in different areas and i use them as a real resource group for if i run into technical problems that i don't quite know how to solve or whatever dirk's the guy you know if if Mm. i have a question on post-tensioning i call dirk giving him a call yeah and he's always there ready to answer a question and give me some advice that network you build in college it's pretty cool i agree with you and maybe that's a, a point to take away for those listening if you're still in college you know, the people that you know there, those relationships are definitely going to last a long time. Even if you don't work directly with each other, you'll remember that you had a class with each other. It's easier than ever to find each other with LinkedIn and such, and probably yeah. easier now to reach out. So, And you're kind of on the same career path, right? You're progressing through your career at the same time frame as they are. And so you have all these shared experiences that you can tell and share. So it's pretty cool. I love it. Well, let's fast forward to today. You're running Equilibrium Engineers. How did we go from, you know, just working out with different firms to wanting to to run Equilibrium Engineers and starting that? That sounds like a, a major lift to even get off the ground. I imagine it's a struggle to do that. What was the mindset to do that? And was it difficult? Yeah. So my path started kind of working for a mid-sized firm in California after graduation, I had great mentors there. I would say that's where I honed my technical skills. You know, mm-hmm. everything I didn't learn in college, I was taught there, really learned kind of the technical side of engineering. And then um, family kind of took over. I got married 
we had our first kid and we're like, we had to find a place that was maybe more conducive to raising a family than California was for us at that time. And so we moved to Oregon and uh, I went to work for a large firm in Portland. And that was very, uh, you know, very corporate offices in multiple cities. Doing the same thing? Or... Yes. Structural engineering, consulting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Same thing. I should say I came there to the firm in Portland with my PE license. So I had taken that in California when I was there. And then after working there for a year, I passed my SE exam. So I worked for about nine and a half, 10 years for the corporate firm. And um I just reached a point where it was that I felt like my path was forked. I could either spend the rest of my career at this corporate firm doing great work and with great people, or I could venture out on my own. And, um, which is something I was always in the back of my mind, wanting to have my own, my own engineering family. Um, That's great. I just, uh, was talking about it so much and hemming and hawing so much. My wife finally got fed up with me and she said, look, just do it. Pull the trigger. Just go go out on your own and what's the worst that can happen? If it doesn't work out, you can go Jump back and work. Again. Yeah, just don't burn the bridge and go back there. And so I did it. And um, that's just been really, I've been very fortunate. I have some clients that I've worked with for years that set me up with projects right away. So and that, that's um, been almost 20 years now, I believe, right? Yeah, it's hard to believe that it's that much time has elapsed. It's been since 2003. So yeah, it started out as just me and um, I had a CAD, a BIM modeler on contract that did all the drawings. So I did all the engineering and he did all the, the drawing prep. And then we've just kind of grown organically since then and to where we are now, which we have six full-time people. So, well, you know, it's been a really good road. It's been fun. It's, it hasn't always been easy. You You asked about challenges. Yes. I ask that because I believe that there are probably people listening to this show that want to start their own company. Mm-hmm. They may yeah. be in the same shoes you were wondering if, you know, if I should do it or not. So I'm trying to help them maybe see what might be coming. So what, what yeah. challenges have you seen? The biggest challenge for me, you know, working for a big firm like I did before I went out on my own, I was exposed to some really kind of world-class projects big projects, high any, budget any projects. We did this really cool library here in the Portland metro area. It's called mm-hmm. the Beaverton Library. You can look at it, look it up online. It was kind of this um, really high architectural design space where we used glue laminated wood construction in a very oh, yeah. interesting way. And actually that project ended up being a photograph of that wood structure that I worked on ended up being on the cover of the wood design textbook that is used in many civil engineering programs. So it's pretty cool, pretty rewarding. So going from that, you know, I knew that there was no way I was going to land projects like that sure. on my own, at least initially. So that was kind of the, one of the biggest hurdles was just, you know, I knew I could do projects of that size, of that magnitude. I could do it just fine. It was, but it was convincing my clients that I could do it, that it wasn't a risky proposition hiring me at Equilibrium, my one-man shop, to do a big building. So yeah. it took some time to build that trust and to prove myself all over again, essentially. That was the biggest hurdle. Uh, did a lot of small little projects, which was fine, but we're now you know, 20 years in and we're doing, we're doing big work and still have a fair chunk of the small stuff to, 
So other, building other... trust was definitely yes, the biggest, the hardest thing to do. So yeah, because once yeah. trust is developed, then hopefully you've got some work coming in. Someone's going to use you again, yeah. things of that nature. Okay. It's maybe building trust or, or just transferring that trust, right? They trusted me when I was at the big firm, but I had all that horsepower behind me at the big firm. Yeah. And it's just transferring that over when you're on your own. Can you still meet the deadlines? Can you really handle this big of a project? So there was some proving to do, which Makes we sense. were able to do. That was probably the biggest hurdle we've had to overcome. And, and to some extent, we still deal with that. The perception of a small firm is sometimes um, difficult to get over people. Right. Certain clients just won't take that leap and say, okay, we're going to give this project to a, a six-person shop. They don't feel comfortable with that. Yeah, so. they probably want you to have a ton of people working and big insurance policies and all that yeah. jazz. And it's that whole thing is like, oh, well, what's your resume for this type of work? And you show them and they're like, well, you don't have in equilibrium, you don't have any big projects on your resume. Uh, so why would we get it? So it's like that chicken and egg thing. It's like you got to get the big project to put it on your resume, but you can't get it without having it on your resume. <laughs> so yeah, it makes sense. You know, it's been a journey. It's been great. And it's been uh, pretty fulfilling. One of the things that I hear a lot is that maybe that structural engineering maybe isn't the highest paying field for engineers to dive into if they're going into the civil arena. What advice would you have for someone that is thinking that way or, or is hearing those kinds of things? I struggle with that a little bit. If you're only in a career for money, mm -hmm. probably not um, the best move. You're probably not going to be very happy no matter what you choose. I mean, if that's your sole criteria is money, then that's, that that's a problem. I know from experience, I know plenty of structural engineers that do very well financially. And are they rock stars? Are they raking in millions and millions of dollars a year? Probably not, but they're making a good living. And the other thing for me with structural engineering in terms of the reward is just that tangibility that, that of your work. Like mm -hmm. you can go out, walk down the street and point to a building and say, hey, you know, I did that. And I made that building safe. You know, that building is going to be standing. Hopefully, if I did everything right, that building is going to be standing long after I'm gone. So that to me is worth more than thousands of dollars, right? All civil engineering is, you know, it's not extremely lucrative. It just isn't. But I think everyone, if you ask people what they love most about being in civil engineering, it's probably that that you're helping to build communities, safe communities, you're making a difference, a tangible difference. So I really don't know another industry that affects humanity like more than civil engineers. I mean, everything that everybody uses that they usually don't recognize, civil engineers have built, constructed, even to the water that we drink to make sure that's clean. Yeah, you want to have a big impact on humanity. I think civil engineering is a great, great way to go. I guess I want to touch on that a little bit more because I think also one of the problems with the industry is like you don't have celebrities talking about civil engineers mm -hmm. and the stuff that we do. Like they just don't do that. And maybe it would make this field look more attractive. But I also think some of the maybe the inherent problems with the industry as a whole is that a lot of times, you know, when you're bidding on projects, sometimes that's a drive to the bottom and sometimes clients don't recognize quality versus pricing you know sometimes they just they want low bid and off they go and so sometimes it's a little bit tied to those things as well what's been your experience i guess with that and the industry as a whole with terms of bidding 
on projects? Well, I think it's all about the value proposition, right? If clients perceive value in what you are bringing to the table, they will pay for that. They will pay whatever you want for that. When they don't see the value, that that's when we struggle, right? We have some clients that value good structural engineering. They want competent structural engineering professionals on their projects because they know it makes a difference. It makes a difference to the integrity of the building. It makes a difference to the budget of the construction, all of that. But there are others that it is that kind of, well, how low can you go on your fee? I think that's just human nature. A lot of that is. But I think as a profession, civil engineers, we don't do a great job of selling the value of what we do. We're very good at talking to ourselves about it. Like, oh, yeah, you, you know, I did this great thing. Uh, check this thing out. You know, we tell the stories to ourselves and we like pat ourselves on the back, but we don't go to our neighbor across the street and say, hey, look, this is what I do. And this is yeah. why it's important. Right. And tell our story. I think we need as a profession need to get better at telling our story, making it sexy, making people see the value in what we do. I agree. And hopefully, you know, through podcasting, things of this nature, just getting the word out about what's out there, people start seeing a little bit more the value that is brought to the table from those in the industry and what they're doing. So social media is a powerful platform to do that. Yep. I would totally agree. I know you used to teach as an adjunct professor and were you running this business at the same time (laughs) as that? And how do you still balance? How do you balance all those demands running a Mm -hmm. business, even when you were teaching, but I'm sure you have family life as well and all of that. What tips or advice would you have for balancing all of those things? There's like four questions in there. Let me unpack that a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, I had the opportunity a few years ago to essentially create a course for Portland State University. Uh, It was mainly out of a conversation I had with the department head at a Mm. cocktail party or something. And I was like, you guys are not teaching the building code. You're teaching how to design a steel beam, but you're not teaching the building code. So your graduates are coming out and they're not, they don't understand. Uh, They never even looked at at the IBC or the anything. They don't even know where to start. And so it's throwing a lot more onus on the, the employer to do that education. So he had me put my money where my mouth was and he said, okay, I'm going to let you teach a course on building codes. So it's whatever you want it to be. I'm going to give you a slot and it's going to be an undergrad grad level thing. So, wow. So, oh boy, that was, <laughs> you want to talk about knowing not, get, not getting paid. <laughs> I think I figured out, I think I made about like maybe 15 cents an hour um, oh, no. on that. Yeah. It was an incredible mm-hmm. experience to create a class, a curriculum of what I thought was important to teach. Like, what are you going to need to know on day one of your job kind of Mm -hmm. thing from a structural engineering perspective and then, and be able to do that. And I did that for a couple of years and it was a lot of work. Like I said, a lot of hours. And at times I kind of regretted opening (laughs) my mouth, but it was very rewarding for me. And I still run into students that took my class that said, you know, that compliment me about like how much they learned. And so that making that difference made the time worthwhile for me. How long did you do that? Just two years. And then, okay. um, you know, in academia, it's kind of the department head changes. And then the focus of the civil engineering department changes to more environmental focus rather than structural focus. So, mm. so the electives got that my elective essentially got axed. So, oh man. Yeah. Which was bittersweet. And I'm like, okay, that's all right. But I got that time back in my life. But, right. 
let's get to that balance question. How yeah. did you balance all that then? Well, you know, balance is something, it's like that um, thing I'm always striving for, right? I don't ever quite obtain it. (laughs) Life is just not that way, but it's something I always strive for that balance. Um, That's why I named my company Equilibrium Engineers. It's all about balance for me. It's more kind of like the guiding light for our firm. But, you know, there are times where you were out of balance. We're just, we got too much work and we got family issues or we've got kids in school or whatever it is pulling you in three, four or five different directions. And you've got to just, for me, it's all about figuring out what are the priorities and prioritizing. I'm constantly prioritizing the things that are in front of me. Okay, this is more important than this. This can wait. And uh, so that's how kind of how I manage it and try to get as close to that balance point as I can. But I think it's aspirational. Makes sense. Yeah, I think we all wish to have a little more balance in our life and being able to prioritize stuff is probably one of the greatest challenges we all have. So, but I will say that, you know, owning my own business, being the owner of the business has allowed me to, it may be counterintuitive, but it has allowed me to kind of be able to get closer to that balance point because Hmm. I call the shots, right? If I don't think I have the time to take on that project, I'm going to politely say, no, I'll pass that kind of thing. So I have my foot on the brake and the gas and I can do that. So in that way, being a business owner kind of maybe enables me to do that. Whereas if I was working for a firm, I think I may not be able to do that as quite as easily. have a choice there. And as a business owner, how does that trickle down then to like those you manage, you have on staff? I mean, the name of the company is Equilibrium. So obviously I think you want balance in your life. So We try to, um, again, go back to the prioritization thing. We meet every week. We have a calendar of, you know, deadlines and hours that we consult and look for problem areas like, okay, we've got 60 hours of drafting on the schedule for this week and we've got whatever, 40 that that we have access to. So what are we going to do? So we're constantly internally prioritizing and it's a small office and the way I, we have it set up just kind of is open. There are no walls in our office. It's just desks and mm-hmm. file cabinets and such. We can talk to each other from across the room and whatever. So it's all about, you know, communicating when you see like there's going to be a choke point or you see one of your fellow employees just totally stressed out and like, at the yeah. end of their rope, you know, you can step in and say, okay, hey, let's chop things around. Let's prioritize. Let's take a few things off your plate, move it to a different person. We kind of approach it, you know, as a team and um, try to do that. I mean, it is not perfect. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that it works great. I still have times where either I'm stressed out beyond belief or one of my employees is stressed out beyond belief. We have a deadline and you just crunch time. You just got to gut through it and do it. Work through it. But in the long run, I think, you know, using that kind of aspirational goal of equilibrium is is kind of what how we operate. That's great. That's great. So I guess uh, another question I have is, you know, as a starting structural engineer, what tips or advice would you have for someone just starting into this world? It sounds like get to know your codes really well. I mean, to tack on to that, what's the value also of getting your PE and your SE as Mm -hmm. persons just starting into this world as well? So maybe those two things. Well, I would say licensure is not, at least initially, is not as important as just understanding or knowing that you don't know everything. College gives you just the basic playbook. Practice is a whole different thing. Acknowledging that you have a lot to learn and being willing to do what it takes to learn. 
continue learning after you get out of college, right? And uh, to that end, you know, I would say when you're interviewing for jobs, definitely a question you should ask is, what is the mentorship program look like at this company, right? At the company you're looking at. How does mentorship happen? And try to find something where you are going to be really well supported by seasoned engineers of various levels so that you can learn by example. And if you have questions, you'll have somebody to go to that kind of thing. So I think mentoring is huge. So yeah, being receptive to learning, understanding that you still have a lot to learn, not assuming just because you got your degree that you know everything. And then finding some good mentors in your company that think kind of like you. In engineering, there's no one solution for every problem, right? You give the same problem to 10 engineers, you're going to get 10 different answers. But what you want to do as a young engineer is find older engineers that kind of think like you, that you can communicate well with, that you understand. When they explain something to you, you understand. So the mentorship is big. The licensure piece, you know, that's definitely, that's I see that as, as a goal, right? That is a career path goal that people have. In a firm, sure, yeah, PE registration and then SE registration, all those things can help advance your career within your firm. You get more money, you know, more recognition, more responsibility. Sure, that's all great. If you ever want to go out on your own and have your own practice where you're the principal in charge on projects and you're stamping, you obviously you have to have your PE and potentially your SE, depending on what kind of work you want to do. So all that's great, but... Get, you know, get the experience, get the, get the, get the knowledge. Yeah. That's great advice. And, and for licensure too, the other thing is when you're a young engineer, it's important to try to get as much exposure to different types of structural design as you can. You know, hopefully you don't get pigeonholed into designing steel columns all day long or PT slabs all day long, right? Hopefully you'll get exposed to designing all the different building materials because that's what's really going to help you pass the exam. Makes sense. And, and further your career. So that's really what I got for you there. That's great advice for anybody just starting out. So uh, definitely worth listening to. And getting a good mentor is definitely a big thing. I remember when I started, I'm in the utility world doing transmission design. And they brought on a guy back, an older gentleman. I think he was 65, but was coming back to work just to get some hours or whatnot. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was extremely valuable to have someone that could uh, talk about, you know, transmission design with me. and. And I'm sure that applies to anyone in the civil industry. So definitely find a good mentor. Well, uh, Ed, this has been really fun for me. Thanks for doing this. Is there a resource that you could recommend to the Civil Engineering Academy audience? It could be a blog, a book, uh, something that you find interesting and of value to civil engineers. Yeah, this is the book. It's called Brunelleschi's Dome, and it's by Ross King. And it's the story of the construction of the dome on the Duomo in Florence, Italy. Really? You want to talk, I mean, engineers are problem solvers. And this book is all about problem solving. And actually, Brunelleschi, the guy who came up with the way to build this, like, first ever of its kind dome, he was actually had no engineering background, no architecture background. He was wow. a problem solver. He just understood how things work and he figured out how to solve the problem better than anybody else. It's just really inspirational for me. I mean, it's pretty heavy on the history, so it's a bit of a dry read, but just the story of, of this guy in the middle of the Renaissance when he was surrounded by Da Vinci and Michelangelo and other super talented people, he kind of came up with how to do this. 
And that's um, amazing. So anyway, and I don't if you've ever been to Florence, it's a very impressive structure. The the Duomo is just it's amazing space. So well, I don't know. For me, it's got everything. It's got Italy. It's got you know, stru- structural engineering, problem solving. That's everything. great. So well, we'll make sure to link that in our show notes when we get there. But uh, I think that's a fascinating book and definitely a marvel to read about. You know, all of us are civil engineers or problem solvers. And I love that people that aren't engineers per se, you're still solving problems. You're helping the world out. So that's great. Yeah, there was well, no PE back then. He might. Yeah. Bruno Lesky might be a PE today. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> What's the best way for our audience to connect with you if they have additional questions, maybe about your company or structural engineering? Mm-hmm. What's the best way to get a hold of you? You know, I'm on LinkedIn. Just check out, type in Ed Questenberry, and I'm there. You can, you know, invite me to link with you. You can visit our website. It's equilibriumllc.com or just give me a call. Look yeah. me up on the internet and give me a ring. Or if you're ever in the Portland metro area in Oregon, stop by. Come by, say hi. Yeah. Perfect. Ed, thanks for jumping on and sharing your wisdom with us. I really do appreciate it. And uh, maybe we'll see you in the future. All right. Hey, thanks again for listening to the Civil Engineering Academy podcast. Thanks for joining me today. If you want, please leave a review or a comment or a like. They definitely go a long way and share it with a friend because why not? It helps. Hey, if you're interested in becoming a guest, feel free to shoot me an email, Isaac at civilengineeringacademy.com. And if you know anyone or yourself personally, definitely check out our website, civilengineeringacademy.com, where we can help you on your journey to become a professional engineer, whether that's to help you pass your FE or your PE, or just get great career advice. And if you're interested in becoming a sponsor of this podcast and have an amazing outreach to other civil engineers, also shoot me an email and we'll be there to help you. Anyway, thanks for joining me today and we'll see you in the next one. Bye.